Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michaelsflooringoutlet.com. And welcome back. Here we are in Overnight America. So I wanted to just bring a couple of things up. And a little bit later, uh, I want to replay part of my interview with David W. Brown. He's a journalist, writes a lot about space. He's the author of a book called The Mission that looked at our endeavors to Europa. And it also talks about Perseverance, which is the rover that landed on Mars last week. So I gave him a call. I said, let's talk about this mission, explain it a little bit more. So if you want to learn more about it, David W. Brown, part of our interview with him coming up just in a little bit. I wanted to bring up two things here. And one thing led to another. Um, Actually, one was first. There was a commentary out of Australia from Sky News that talking about the problems that we're having here with Joe Biden so far. And it's interesting to see foreign media watch us here in the United States and give us commentary of the president of the United States. And Maria Bartiromo, who is on Fox Business, but she also does the weekend Sunday shows, brought on the ex-Pentagon chief of staff, Cash Patel. That was today. And I wanted to play part of this and then go back to the commentary that was coming out of Sky News in Australia. And I think it plays and shows you pretty quickly just some of the problems that we're having here when it comes to media accountability, when it comes to the Biden administration and the free passes that they uh, that they're giving to them. And listen to this. Okay, so here's going back to part of the problems that we're having with China. Currently, uh, we've even had guests on the show and you've heard them and you can go back to the podcast if you want to hear it. Issues that we have with the Uyghurs and everything that's happening in northern China when it comes to prison camps, slave labor, genocide, um, gang rapes, all these crazy things that are happening to millions of people inside of these uh, prison camps, not because they committed a crime, but because they are of a certain nationality or a certain race. And these things are going on and they have been going on. And during the last town hall meeting last week on CNN, Joe Biden chalked it up to cultural differences, the genocide, the slave labor, the uh, gang rapes, all of these things that are going on. Oh, it's just cultural differences, really minimizing it. And to me, looking at how we're just going to be bowing back down to China and how disgraceful that is. So uh, here's let me play this. OK, that that'll lead and give you some context to the two things I'm about to play for you. This is from Fox News. Maria Bartiroma talking to the ex chief of staff of the Pentagon, 
Akash Patel. I want to get your take on what President Biden said in that town hall this week, that the fact that one million Uyghurs are locked up in what some people call concentration camps, he said, well, this is just a cultural norm. It's a Chinese cultural norm. What's your take on what you heard from President Biden? Well, that just shows you and exemplifies this administration's take on one of our on one of our biggest threats to the Americas, which is that which is China. They are in genocide in China against the Uyghurs. That is factually not in dispute. And for a leader of the free world to say genocide is a cultural norm is outrageous. Could you imagine if President Trump had said publicly that the Uyghur genocide in China, which everyone acknowledges, is a cultural norm? It would have been a global calamity. Yeah. Period. You're right. And the media just doesn't seem to want to cover this sort of thing in the sense that he says this. And are you kidding me? Wait a minute. Are, uh, so you're going to diminish this. You're going to allow this to happen. Now, if you're part of a town hall and I know it's Anderson Cooper, I know they're friendly to the Biden administration. You're not going to challenge him on that. So I want to go to Sky News as part of this commentary of what goes down and uh, the issues that we have when it comes to uh, the Biden administration and this town hall meeting from CNN last week, they decided to challenge it. And thank goodness, because you're not really seeing this out of some of the major networks now. Never before has the leader of the free world been so cognitively compromised. It's clear to me, at the least, that U.S. President Joe Biden is struggling with dementia and is clearly not up to the task he's been sworn in to do. This was apparent to many during the election campaign, but such was the hatred for Donald Trump by the partisan and poisonous mainstream media. They chose not to highlight anything that actually may have derailed a Biden victory. Okay, so that leads. Okay, so that's a setup. They purposely decided not to report on things that could derail a Biden administration. So sets up the idea that, well, maybe this was purposeful. Maybe this was a, a bigger picture for them, which is they hate Donald Trump so much. Uh, that they had to do everything they could, including forgetting any any uh, the blemishes or the problems that were blatantly there for us to see and just either ignoring them, downplaying them, defending them in some cases. So Sky News uh, commentary goes a little bit further, and this is the end of the commentary. Now, I'm not here tonight to highlight the mental impairment of Joe Biden. It's too easy. And it's not his fault. But he did run for office knowing that the decline in his capacity was accelerating. And so did the media, and so did the Democratic Party, yet they all chose to cover it up. Just like many of them sought to cover up the Hunter Biden laptop and cash for access scandals, they haven't asked Creepy Joe about the weird hair sniffing, the allegations of sexual misconduct, his previous support for segregation, the rather odd way that he interacts with women, and his overtly racist statements. Now, these excuses for journalists are continuing the cover-up of Biden's presidency. And reporting on the dumpster fire that was the Biden town hall, many media outlets simply omitted the gaffes, the lies, and the clear Chinese propaganda lines. It's like they're running a Biden protection racket, while simultaneously protecting themselves from admitting their unconscionable conduct during the election campaign was instrumental in having this man elected as president. It's all rather pathetic, but even usually smart people are blinded by the nonsense put out by the mainstream media. They believe every perceived sin of Donald Trump while they seem intent on canonizing St. Joe. Mm, St. Joe. And that's his observation as part of a you know, pretty strong commentary from Sky News Australia pointing out that 
look at how the two administrations are treated, and he's 100% right on this. Going back even to the issue with China and the problems that we have with them, how in the world are we getting friendly all of a sudden with China? And, oh, we're cultural differences between our countries. That's how we can't understand the labor camps, the prison labor camps, the forced labor, the, the, the deaths, the genocides, the uh, gang rapes that go on inside of these things and all well documented. How terrible is it that we as a country, our president can stand up and say, oh, it's just a cultural difference. And Sky News has to point out, well, it's us here in Australia that'll say it if you journalists in America won't. All right, when we come back, the rover is on Mars, the successful landing, the exciting mission, and author David W. Brown joins us to talk about perseverance and what's going on with Mars exploration. Coming up next, it's Overnight America KMOX. Listening to KMOX has never been easier. Siri, play KMOX. He's the author of The Mission, journalist David W. Brown, joining us again on Overnight America. How are you? Doing very well in yourself. Good. I uh, was very happy that during the day, this broadcast that they had from NASA with the Perseverance landing on Mars was so exciting. They did a great job in their presentation of it all, explaining everything that was going on. It was fun watching it with my son. Did you get a chance to watch it today? I did, yes. What was your emotions, your thoughts as you were watching this uh, historic landing? It, 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 it sort of ran the spectrum, particularly when you consider that um, NASA makes it look so easy. But in fact, landing on Mars, is, it borders on impossible. I think um, when we look at the history of every mission NASA's ever flown, including the, the Mercury program, including Apollo, including our exploration of various worlds, um, the the NASA or the uh, the Mars program is undoubtedly uh, the most successful of anything NASA's ever done. They've had nine consecutive successful missions to Mars, including six landings. That's unprecedented. There has been some unsuccessful things in the past. Was it just two years ago? I think India tried to send a rover to the moon, and that crash landed. Um, it's it's a very difficult thing to think that it's easy is completely wrong because you have to rely completely on the computers and the programming to be able to judge the situation in real time considering we can't control it in real time here from Earth. It is, it is a real harrowing mission if you can kind of give us an explanation of why it's so difficult to send something like this to Mars. Well, for in the case of the Perseverance rover and previously the Curiosity rover, these are enormous vehicles. They each weigh about one ton um, they're about the size of a you know a, a jeep, and um, they carry incredibly delicate scientific instruments. So, when it comes to landing them, you you can't do it the way we've done it customarily. So, when you look at like the the Spirit and Opportunity rovers, both of which were were fairly small, fairly small vehicles. I think they were about the size of a lawnmower. Um, you they literally inflated as airbags and just bounced on Mars like a giant's plaything, just bounced for uh, kilometers and kilometers. And then the, the airbags deflated and they just sort of unfolded and got to work. For something like uh, Curiosity or, in this case, Perseverance, uh, you don't really have that luxury. They're too heavy, which means you've got to find a way to contend with Mars's very wispy atmosphere 
um, not enough to inflate uh, a, a parachute as you would need to sort of drift down to the surface. You've actually got to um, you've got to find another way to, to supplement that parachute, and so that's going to require retro rockets. Well, you have a hard time firing retro rockets and parachute at the same time once you drop that heat shield. Um, then you've got to find a way to set the thing down gently because those delicate instruments, right? Um, they could uh, they they could break at any given moment. Um, in aggregate, what you're looking at is um, is just an extraordinarily difficult thing to do. And so NASA's come up with a sort of Rube Goldberg type project where you've got um, parachutes, retro rockets, a sky crane, uh, the sky crane flying away. It's it's an extraordinary achievement. Everything has to work perfectly the first time, and humans aren't involved. Computers are doing everything. Yes. And done it successfully. That is so true, and how difficult that is to sit there and wait. And you can really judge the level of anxiety in that room as they're just relying and waiting on word back from Mars if the thing landed properly and safely. And they had a thing called the heartbeat. I think this is the first time I've heard that. So it was like almost a, a beacon that was coming back to give you a, a indication if all signs in all of the different mechanics were working on this rover, which was kind of cool too. Yes, uh, the, the, sort of that telemetry data is just vital for engineers. If some, of course, if something goes right, but particularly if something goes wrong. And when we, uh, when we look at previous uh, failures by different space agencies to land things on Mars. Um, that telemetry data goes right back to the engineers and they try to figure out what went wrong and how can we fix it next time. That's how NASA learned how to do this. Mm-hmm. And uh, they learned very well. You have to take every indication you can get. I was really impressed by how quick the photographs came back. So apparently there was a uh, camera, um, mm-hmm. a certain camera that was meant just for you know initial photos. And I watched this and everyone celebrating and it seemed just a couple of minutes later they had their first image from this rover on the surface of mars and i thought man that's so much faster than i remember the other missions have they figured out ways to communicate with this rover in uh, quicker ways than previous missions i think that's probably more a function of um of, of good public affairs i think um um NASA knows the value of engaging the public, who, of course, is paying for this sort of thing. And uh, you can say a rover landed, but you want to sell something, you want a picture from it. And, <laughs> that's, and, right. and that's what that was. But, but, I mean, customarily, they do send out pictures very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just I don't think I've ever seen it disseminated so fast, which is, which is wonderful. I mean, it, 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 it was a deeply moving moment, and I think it's going to inspire a lot of people to sort of go into the sciences and engineering. They're very good at explaining what you're looking at. So when you looked at some of those initial photos, they said, okay, this was taken immediately after it set down, so there's still a lot of dust and things in the air after it landed, so that's why it looks a little fuzzy, and it might be on the camera lens that way. And it looks very similar to other photographs we've seen from Mars before. My son was asking me, why is it black and white? And I I tried to answer him, uh, and I said, it's it's a pretty long distance to send these back. This is probably the quickest way to send a photograph back because it takes less data. I don't know if that's the case or not. The, uh, the it's interesting. Different cameras are are color, and different cameras are black and white on on, on the spacecraft, whether whether in space or actually on these uh, on these rovers. And and the way that works is, first of all, these are super delicate. Uh, 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 imaging equipment, 
and um, super high resolution, and, have to, and you have to do a lot of science with it. Now, if you're carrying two cameras, you don't need to build two overly sophisticated cameras because if one of them sees color, the other one can just see black and white just as well, and you can use sort of the color spectrum captured by the other camera in the black and white one. The idea, is to the idea always is to reduce complexity, make these things as simple as possible, have as few things as possible break. And uh, color versus black and white, that's, that's an example of that. Perseverance lands on Mars. Everything looks good. All signs look good. Uh, author of The Mission and journalist David W. Brown joining us. I'm curious, what exactly is this mission? So what are the things that they're hoping to accomplish with this rover? Uh, there are several uh, pretty exciting things, I would say. First of all, they're looking for evidence of um, any sorts of biosignatures, right? So any sort of past microbial uh, life on Mars. And so they're going to they're gonna study... Um, they're going to study rocks on there using the using onboard instrumentation on the, on the rover. They're going to look for um, just generally look at the habitability of Mars and try because Jezero Crater, where it landed, uh, is a former lake bed. I mean, it was once filled with rushing water, um, and when we look at our own seas, of course, we see a, a tremendous amount of uh, uh, of life and and fossilized you know evidence of past life. It's also, then this is the most exciting part of the mission, I think, it's going to be caching samples. So what it's going to do, it's going to, it's going to drill into Mars. It's going to bottle up um, or put into tubes uh, pristine Martian soil, and it's going to deposit those tubes somewhere. And a subsequent mission is going to go there, pick them up, and launch them back to Earth Wow! for, for analysis in our labs. So since it's so hard for humans to get to Mars, we're going to bring Mars to, to humans. That's a cool thing. A historic day in space exploration. NASA's Perseverance lands on Mars successfully and safely. We're going to continue our conversation with David W. Brown. He's a journalist and author of The Mission right after the break on KMOX. News Radio 1120, KMOX, the voice of the Cardinals. Welcome back to Overnight America. I'm your host, Ryan Recker. He's the author of a book called The Mission that looks at some of the different missions and what it takes to even get a mission off the ground when it comes to space exploration and NASA. The decisions that are made and relevant to what happened today with NASA's Perseverance. The Mars rover landed successfully on the Red Planet. David W. Brown joins us. The idea of some of these parts of the mission being exciting to me I was very happy to learn that there's a microphone on this thing, and I thought, I don't know what they're going to learn with a microphone on the rover, um, but it'd be cool as an audio guy, as a radio guy, I want to hear what it sounds like to stand on the surface of Mars. So what do they hope to get from that? Well, I mean, the obvious, of course, is just what does Mars sound like? It's a weird, it's a simple thing when you think about it, but it's a thing that we don't know. And uh, for the first time, we'll have an answer for that. What does the breeze sound like? Is it cool? Is it, is it gentle? Is it rushing? You know, is the, can you hear dust or gravel sort of rolling along in the distance? Um, these, are, these are deeply human things that we're going to find out. Because every time we send a mission to Mars, or any world really, uh, we learn a little, more, a little bit more about it. So they're going to be techno and, songs based on the audio that's released from NASA. Are they going to use that as and loop them for dance moves and things? 
oh, I have no doubt that we're going to see some pretty clever things come from it. But making these worlds real is, is vital because, again, uh, you've got to keep the public engaged in this sort of thing. I'm sure there's all sorts of signs they're going to tease out of it, but I do think that as a public relations thing, it's a fairly inexpensive instrument to carry, and uh, it's something that I think we're going to find almost, if not more, moving than we do uh, images. It is harrowing thinking that, you know, close to $3 billion, it was like 25 to $3 I I can't remember the exact number of how much uh, went into this. When you think that all of it could be destroyed if something goes wrong, I was impressed the visuals they had during the presentation of the uh, Perseverance Mars rover, where they showed... Even during the landing phase, I guess they had these special sensors that were trying to help them manage where to land and things. And it's like, this has a very specific purpose. You know they worked forever. An entire team of people worked forever on this one sensor that's used for just a second, and it'll never be used again anywhere else, or at least in in that purpose. So I thought that was, it's amazing all the little parts that go into this and how much of a large team effort it is to make this one thing work and come together. You're exactly correct, and, and that's, that also speaks more broadly to the, to the space program in general. So, for example, NASA is endeavoring right now to also go back to the moon and then go to Mars, right? And a lot of people might ask, well, why don't we just, re- why don't we just rebuild the Apollo program? We already know how to do it. And the answer is yes, technically, but of the million parts, say, in a Saturn V rocket, you know, the one guy who knew how to build that one part, you know, deep in, inside of it, he's dead, and there's mm-hmm. no blueprints to do it, and there's no manufacturer to build it. So it, it's the sort of thing where um, you've got to maintain a, ro- a robust and ongoing capability to do this sort of exploration. So now that we've been to Mars, you know, successfully for the ninth time, we've landed on it successfully for the sixth time, we need to land on it for a seventh time. We need to go there for a tenth time. We just have to keep that, keep that cadence going. Otherwise, it'll perish, and then you have to rebuild it from scratch. And as we're seeing with the, with the moon program, it's very, very difficult to rebuild something from scratch. Oh, that's such a good point. I think our dishwasher is like five years old. They don't make it anymore, and it's a hassle to find a part if something goes out. Imagine trying to find something 50 years ago for one project where the person, they have no idea uh, who made it, how they made it. Yeah, you can't even do that for your dishwasher with a modern equipment, let alone some equipment from uh, the space program from the 70s. Uh, I wanted to ask you a few questions from my family as we were watching this together during the live feed, and I think you might like a few of these. Uh, my son was very interested, and in, he asked about the gravity on Mars, and I said, I think it's pretty similar to Earth, but I'm not 100% sure. So what does the uh, landscape of Mars look and feel like compared to Earth? Well, uh, Mar- first of all, it's probably useful to, to realize that the that, that- uh, Mars is a lot smaller than the Earth. Um, it's it's almost, uh, I think it's like four times larger than the than the Moon. I, I I don't have those numbers handy, but I do know the the, the gravity of Mars. I think is something like thirty eight percent of Earth. Oh, right. Okay. So you're gonna you're gonna weigh a lot less there, um, despite the size of Mars again being relatively small. And and and, and why that matters is, uh, you know, we're talking about habitability. We're talking about you know these previous these previous oceans that once sort of washed across the surface. Um, when we look at a world like Venus, it, it's almost identical to the Earth in terms of size, in terms of composition. Mars is a weird one, though, and uh, one reason for its size is, or its diminut- uh, diminutive size is um, 
is actually Jupiter, and and which is which denied Mars a bit of material to uh, to grow as large as it possibly could have. But 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 the old to answer the question in short, yeah, it's about 38% of Earth. But um, if you were standing on Mars, it would it would look no different than Earth, right? It would still have that big sweeping horizon. It's not like you'd see curvature or anything. You wouldn't even see that on the Moon. In fact, yeah, so, that's interesting. It, it, I look forward to astronauts going there and finding out for sure. <laughs> yeah, I do. I am too. That's something else my son asked. Has any person ever stepped on Mars? And I said no, but the plan is they want to. And there's a lot of uh, obstacles, and missions like this make it uh, a little bit closer to figure it out. Watching the NASA presentation of this today, they mentioned how they're going to try to find ways to convert the materials that they can grab from the uh I guess the atmosphere or whatever into oxygen, and that could be used in different ways. It could be used to, you know, help when it comes to the air you'd breathe, and maybe even use as a fuel. So there's all kinds of things that they're going to be testing in uh, this whole moving laboratory on wheels. It's pretty remarkable everything it's going to be able to do. Um, one other thing, my wife asked if we were watching a live stream from Best Buy because she believes that the JPL uniforms look like the Geek Squad. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the I know I don't I informally what I've heard over conversation is um when everybody wears whatever they want during these big sort of mission moments what you don't want is somebody wearing something inappropriate and um and 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 offending somebody and sort of distracting from the giant achievement that that, that these sorts of landings or or mission encounters can be so they 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 designed just the most generic <laughs> Uh, and inoffensive shirts that everyone is required to wear, so that when those cameras sweep across, that nobody can say how you know why would somebody wear something like that? Right. <laughs> um, is there a cooler space song than David Bowie's "Life on Mars"? I, uh, maybe a, a, a space oddity. So yeah. I think uh, he's got he's got <laughs> I both think of Bowie them. Bowie pretty much has the has a lock on cool space songs. <laughs> Okay, so it's amazing, this mission. Um, how long are they hoping this mission lasts? Because we look at the previous missions, like Curiosity, it's exp it expanded much further than what they anticipated the rover would be able to handle on Mars and still continues to do cool things. Um, wait, hold, is, is Curiosity still active, or is that inactive right now? No, Curiosity's still rolling. Wow. I thought uh... there for a while they were afraid it was going to stop, and then it must have had a second life to it. Well, the uh, so so Spirit and Opportunity uh, recently switched off, and those were, you know, those were 90-day missions, and they ended up running, I don't know, something like 19 years or something, just <laughs> not, not just absurdly long amounts of time. Um, in the case of uh, uh, Perseverance, I, I I forget exactly what its prime mission is supposed to be. Probably something like a year, maybe or or two years, to achieve all of its objectives, but. Um, there's no doubt that what NASA's hoping for is that these things, you know, they roll for 20 years. Curiosity as well, and and they're they're built to last. I mean, Perseverance originally was going to be a reflight of Curiosity hardware. They were just literally going to take the spares out the shed in the back, cobble this one together, put some new instruments on it, and uh, and send it on its way. But but JPL learns a lot from every single aspect of uh, of the the Curiosity experience, and and indeed. Um, we, you talked earlier about the telemetry coming back, that heartbeat. They study that telemetry that still comes from those rovers to see what the what the weak points were and how can they strengthen them. So things like the treads on the wheels, which are actually beginning to wear out on Curiosity, 
were totally redesigned for perseverance so it can drive farther because there's a they have a better understanding of the composition or and the the texture and the integrity of of, of Martian soil. That is cool. Once in a while you catch a picture of it, you can kind of see the wear and tear, but designed in a way that even if a chunk falls off of it, it's still mobile. He wrote a book about exploring Europa and the possibilities of that moon. It's called The Mission, but it also intertwines with what we're seeing today with the Perseverance Mars rover, because that was another mission on NASA sites at the time. And journalist David W. Brown will continue our conversation with him right after the break. And a look at your weather, too, on KMOX. Now back to Overnight America on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michaelsflooringoutlet.com. And Overnight America is getting ready to uh, say goodnight. We're getting close to that point. So we got a couple more minutes together. Uh, there's a story that was brought up earlier in the show that I didn't get to. So I'm going to do that now. And if you enjoy that interview with our guest that's david w brown we had that on thursday that's when the mars rover landed really cool thing i mean it's so nice to be able to watch stuff like that real time during the day with my son who was home from school that day you know because the not going back yet uh all the virtual learning and everything hey we can watch this this is so cool go to the overnight america podcast and you can get it right there and hear it for yourself the whole full interview uh, that's just a couple of portions, a couple of segments from it as it aired on Thursday. Excuse me. This, but this story was brought up from a uh, caller earlier. I think his name was Ed. And it's from Fox 2. A couple of fears they're being targeted in burgl- burglary hits. And kind of sad, scary to think that elderly couples could be uh, targeted this way and have been. On February 7th, an elderly couple were going to church like they do every Sunday. And while one of the victims was waiting in the car, two suspects approached the vehicle and opened both the passenger and driver's door and snatched her purse. Wow. So grabs the purse. So they're waiting to go to church, grabs the purse outside the church. She was shaken up by the incident, but thought the worst was over. But when she and her husband went to the garage this morning, both vehicles they own, a Mercedes ML350 and a Lexus IS300, were gone. Okay, so she got the purse stolen. Inside the purse were keys to the vehicles that were inside the garage. It's a opportunity that those burglars decided to take advantage of. And now the uh, elderly couple, they don't feel safe in their own home. Just terrible. They immediately called St. Louis County Police, who responded to their home around 8.35 a.m. Footprints from at least one suspect were left in the snow, leaving a trail from the road to the side window of the garage where they forced their way in. You know, the way the weather is, can you even tell much from the footprints? Because it's not, if you're in the mud or the dirt, um, that seems to leave a little bit more evidence. The snow print is a little bit more hard to tell. A lot of times I'll look at the snow print. I can't tell the difference between a cat or a dog in the snow half the time or anything else. The victim's son, Tuan Ha, is scared for his parents, knowing the same suspects may have enacted both burglaries and could come back for more. I feel very, very scary now because, you know, they could have killed my mom and dad by last night because they're too old and, then, you know, too cold to go in, outside. They, of course, they're inside. And they came over, you see that happen? They could have killed my mom and that's my mom now can talk or do nothing. Now it's so scary. She was scared from last time and then not over yet and now happened again, you know? Oh man, I wonder if he's staying with his parents. 
that's one of those deals where you see the movies where there's a dude sitting in a rocking chair just waiting for someone to show up. And when they do, he's got his uh, boomstick with them because if they're going to show up and, and terrorize these uh, poor, poor, poor parents, you know that the son ain't going to have it. Now he's out there talking to that. And I hope the neighbors are paying attention to and keeping an eye out for them because neighbors are perfect for this sort of thing. They notice something out of the ordinary, keep an eye out, uh, get some surveillance, get some other things going on there. It just, it breaks your heart to think that they were targeted this way. So this was over on Fox two. Let's uh, hope for the best for them. They don't have to deal with that any longer. You know, what's going to happen. I mean, it's, it's hopefully it's one, you know, take the cars and be done, but you know, they got the keys now change all the locks and you got to get something to protect yourself in case they show up again are stupid enough to do something like that. Oh, man, I hope they got other family members that could stay with them. Dogs, whatever. Neighbors keeping an eye out for a while. Neighborhood watching it. Kevin Colleen, it looks like maybe taking some time because we got a best of whole nother story that he posted up. And, you know, I'm a fan of Kevin Colleen and all the work he does. Let's take a listen. Her name is Mrs. Hanker. She sent us a red, cheerful-looking greeting card-sized envelope stuffed full of something and scotch tape for extra strength. Inside were dozens of death notices clipped from the newspaper, some of them yellow with age. The note said, Kevin, you've made me do this. I've collected these for a long time. Recently, I had highlighted the obituary of P.J. James of Perryville. That's what she heard. And it said that he was a man of wisdom who once said, he who dies penniless knows how to budget. So here are some of Mrs. Hanker's prized obituaries she sent us. Joel Sidney Calamus died March of 2017. His obituary includes the line, Joel leaves behind many people who love and will miss him dearly, friends for a lifetime, and more lady friends and romantic interests than we can afford to print. Judy Svetanix from August of 2013. She was the wife of the late fire chief, Neil Svetanix. Her tribute ends with a line, in lieu of flowers, Judy had requested that you take your family to dinner on the hill, go to Macy's and buy yourself something nice with a coupon, of course. Rick Buzz Beersley's January 2014 obituary has a line at the end that says, please refrain from wearing scented products to the funeral home. I guess somebody of the survivors had a perfume allergy. John Robert Wood's obituary from July of 2018 was written by him in advance. It disappoints me, he says, to announce this, but if you're reading this, apparently I've passed on. Further down, he says, to the doctors at the ICU who attended me, I would like to say thanks for nothing. James Thornhill Walsh died in March of 2009, and uh, his obituary says, He was present at Anheuser-Busch the night Prohibition ended to follow the first trucks to a local watering hole. An avid canoeist, he also loved to jump off bridges. He cherished sardine sandwiches with butter. Thanks to Mrs. Hanker for sending those in. I used to clip obituaries myself at one time, and I couldn't find them in time to get my hands on the exact one, but my prize obituary was she was always first in line at garage sales. With a whole other story, I'm Kevin Killeen. <laughs> Everyone needs a hobby, right? They need something to do. I guess checking the uh, obituaries is someone's hobby. So 
Best of from Kevin Colleen. Whole nother story. I'm glad we were able to uh, play that here for you tonight. Well, that about does it for us on Overnight America. A couple of different ways you can reach the show. You could email me if you want to. You can send me a nine and a half minute voicemail like Paul did. And I was able to listen to some of that as we replayed that interview. Uh, you could maybe if you're on social media and you hate Facebook, you hate Twitter, but you find yourself on it still. At Ryan Recker on Twitter, Ryan Recker Radio on Facebook. And you can send me messages on there. Go and uh, like that Facebook page. The podcast is uh, posted if you search for Overnight America. But we also put it on our website, meaning that you can get a link to it at kmox.com. And there's the show pages. There's the uh, podcast pages, things like that, all places you can go. I always look forward to the Monday nights because Rich Bino joins us, a great political mind. And I know he's got a lot to say. Every week we have a great conversation diving back into uh, American history. Enjoy the rest of your night. Enjoy the uh, warm-up. We'll take a look at your local news coming up. And have a great night. We'll see you. Bye. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.